Judge Eileen Cannon, she decided for now the trial will still begin in May 2024, despite Trump's team pushing for it to start after the presidential election. Uh, what sort of factors would she have been weighing there and what do you see as the significance of her decision? You know, I think there's a benefit to keeping a trial scheduled. I, I would probably urge anybody not to buy a plane ticket to Florida if they want to watch the trial for May, because I still think there's a likelihood that you'll see this trial get bumped. I mean, we've not gotten to the place yet where we've got appeals, we've got issues being sent up to this 11th Circuit, things that can come in to delay a case, especially one like this. So um, while I think it's important that she's kind of kept this window open, I think at the same time, it might freeze out uh, the issue of bringing a, the state of Georgia case. Uh, in the middle of next year, for instance, because typically these federal trials would take priority or precedence over uh, state court trials. And so that blocks some of this calendar. Um, but again, we, we've not had a situation where we've been taking issues of presidential immunity and executive privilege up to the appellate courts uh, as we prepare for a trial. Those can take some time to decide. And I think you'll see uh, those issues raised both on the federal and the state level. Um, but at least for now, she's blocked out part of the calendar for other cases that could move forward. I don't think she did that intentionally, but that's just the reality of, of what's happened. Uh, and so um, we, we'll see. I, I think it's probably a bittersweet pill at the same time for the Trump team, especially since he saw the early Georgia trials result in pleas. And so that opened up some time for the, the Fulton County George to, judge to uh, leave things uh, in place. So yeah. we'll see now where it goes. Why you're saying court proceedings could get delayed? Uh, who that's unheard of in the legal right. justice system, of course. Uh, we will see, but, um, Michael. Absolutely Moore. unheard of, right? It's a <laughs> yeah, it, it's never a game of weight sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Moore, thank you so much. Just into CNN, the judge in Donald Trump's classified documents case has ruled the case will, in fact, go to trial in May. The former president has pushed repeatedly for the trial to be moved until after the election. But Judge Aileen Cannon's decision sets the case on a collision course with Trump's increasingly likely general election bid for the White House. This comes after CNN exclusively learned that a plumber, a maid, a chauffeur, and a woodworker from Mar-a-Lago may be called to testify against Donald Trump as part of that federal investigation. CNN's Caitlin Polans broke this story and joins me now with more. Caitlin. Dana, these people are people whom the prosecutors have already spoken with. They've some of them they've brought to the grand jury and who they may be calling as witnesses to trial uh, to testify against Donald Trump. These are the types of people who may be able to really bring to life what Mar-a-Lago was like after the Trump presidency, where Donald Trump is there. There are boxes of documents there. There are stacks of papers uh, around the property. And there are people who are coming in and out not just the regular staffers, political staffers, former White House aides of Trump who are there at Mar-a-Lago, who we've heard lots about, but there are also people who are temporary employees. This woodworker going in to install crown molding in Trump's bedroom and noticing stacks of papers that he thought were so unusual because of the markings on them that he thought that they were movie props. There are others, the chauffeur. There were people who were noticing things, people who are in the private spaces of Mar-a-Lago who certainly didn't have the security clearances needed so the prosecutors could use these people, Dana, to really highlight how unsecured it was to have the nation's secrets at Mar-a-Lago in Trump's possession after the presidency. And Caitlin, what does your new reporting reveal about how the former president deals with the people who work for him, especially employees at Mar-a-Lago? 
Dana, I'm sure you won't find it as a surprise that Trump runs his club like it's his kingdom. He's the king. And he is very unhappy whenever prosecutors, investigators encroach on that territory. The two things that came out in this was, uh, the one was that he went ballistic when he found out that the maid who cleans his bedroom suite, so the person cleaning both his and Melania Trump's private quarters, when that person was approached by investigators and that person, she is a possible witness here, uh, according to our reporting and our sources. He also was quite unhappy that one of the key witnesses in this case, a man who cut a cooperation deal with prosecutors, got rid of his Trump-provided attorneys and got a new lawyer, he kept working there at Mar-a-Lago until just recently. And when Trump found out he was resigning recently, he was quite unhappy that this person had stayed on. Prosecutors are very likely looking to see how Trump is responding to these people and if he's trying to talk to them about this case. I'm sure they are. Such excellent reporting, as always. Really, really interesting. Caitlin, thank you. And our panel is back now. We're also joined by Karen Friedman Agnafilo, CNN legal analyst and former chief assistant district attorney in the Manhattan DA's office. Karen, I'll start with you. What do you make of Caitlin's reporting? I think this is very common for prosecutors. It's kind of prosecutors 101, especially when you're dealing with very wealthy people who have staff. And very wealthy people who have staff sometimes treat them as if they're just not existent, right? They're just sort of the silent witnesses who, who they don't even realize they're talking in front of or, or doing things in front of. And so it's very common in a situation like this for a prosecutor to expand their investigation to try to speak to those individuals to see if they overheard or saw anything unusual. So it's not surprising that this is what Jack Smith is doing. And I think they could be very valuable witnesses who were privy to things that people don't even realize they were privy to. I'm sure they've been privy to a lot of things. Uh, maybe this is just the tip of the iceberg. This, of course, is playing immediately on the campaign trail. And Chris Christie, who reminds us that he is not only a former friend of Donald Trump, but a former federal prosecutor, uh, was talking to uh, Caitlin Collins last night. And here's what he said. I think what you're seeing is just how thorough Jack Smith's investigation has been and that there's no one who has seen or heard anything at Mar-a-Lago regarding these documents who is going to be um, immune from testifying if they believe they have relevant information. I mean, it's remarkable. Like, all of this is happening. It seems like Trump is taking incoming from all sides, and he's simultaneously campaigning and using all of this to fundraise. Um, something that I have found remarkable in recent days is his response to all of this. He's uh, again, called for the weaponization of institutions if he is reelected. I mean, that really allows Democrats to continue to make an argument that they have long wanted to make, that he is a threat to our democracy. He do it does, but it also gins up people who he has convinced for, what, eight years now? More? Uh, that he's, it's happening to him now, it could happen to you uh, sort of regular, non-billionaire, non-presidential candidate tomorrow. And so let's just hear a little bit of what he's been saying that you mentioned, Eva, about the weaponization, quote-unquote, of DOJ. They've weaponized the Justice Department. They've weaponized the FBI. And they've come at me with the worst indictments. If they want to follow through on this, uh, yeah, it could certainly happen 
in reverse. It could certainly happen in reverse. What they've done is they've released the genie out of the box. They have done something that allows the next party. I mean, if somebody, if I happen to be president and I see somebody who's doing well and beating me very badly, I say, go down and indict them. Mostly, that would be, you know, they would be out of business. They'd be out. They'd be out of the election. In my case, uh, it was, they were such pathetic indictments. Okay, just to be clear, I just want to say it again. Jack Smith is not Joe Biden. Jack Smith is, according to him and to the Biden White House, staying as separate as he possibly can, entirely possible, uh, entirely separate, rather, from the president of the United States. He is saying he would not do that. And the Fulton County DA and all the other cases as well, this has nothing to do with the Biden administration. What uh, the former president has been somewhat successful, at least among his base, in doing is blending everything together and saying that this is his opponent going after him. You'll remember why he got in in the first place last fall, because he knew that these indictments were coming. This is all part of the plan to uh, sort of set this up. But it's extraordinary what the former president is saying there, that yes, he in fact would um, use his DOJ. And one of his biggest regrets and frustrations, we all remember, is picking Jeff Sessions as his first attorney general. <laughs> when he recused himself that day, I remember that afternoon very well. He was furious about that. So that has set this into motion that, yes, he would do this. So this goes well beyond saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, he's just admitting um, exactly what he Absolutely. would do. Absolutely. And it's two things, really, right? Because by saying these things, he's undercutting the whole premise of the prosecutions against him, right? This, this is a way of saying this is all political. This is not legitimate. Uh, there's nothing to this. But he's also messaging to his own supporters and to people he wants to be his supporters that if he gets back into office, he's going to take revenge. He's going to retaliate. We've already seen, We have, my colleagues at the Times have reported that he's looking for lawyers who will not say no to him. He had a lot of lawyers, including Jeff Sessions, but also White House lawyers and others in his administration who said no to him on some of the most extreme things he wanted to do. He is looking for lawyers who will not do that the next time. So he is telling people exactly what he plans to do both to sort of insulate himself against the charges he's facing and to build up his support. And there is a lot of evidence that that is working to really motivate Republicans. You hear Republicans on Capitol Hill repeating it. It's an, it's an element of all of their campaigns, that the Justice Department is weaponized against the yeah. right. And it could be a pretty powerful tool for Karen, them. what, what are you weighing? Independent voters. You know, independent voters hear this, and, and then what, right? They are going to be worried about our institutions, even if they are cool on the White House, cool on this administration and domestic policy matters. You hear that he's ready to burn down the House. You want to vote for him again? 